was known as a man. A man on a dragon. And that dragon had a rider. And that rider's name was... Episode 5, we're going to be talking about the 1982 movie Arcadia of My Youth. It started in 1982 and it just ended five minutes ago. Good Lord, Nate Regoli, what's going on <laughs> in Arcadia of My Youth? Well, hey, let me, uh, uh, good, you already hit on, uh, I want to apologize <laughs> to you for picking this movie because, okay, so, qualifier, uh, this movie uh, like uh, a movie we talked about a little bit last week, The Last Jedi, mm-hmm. <laughs> is a movie that has a lot of elements that I enjoy a lot, uh, but it, it it does not work in this in this format. Um, <laughs> this this movie was long, and it was slow and boring, and uh, I have a lot of concerns about uh, the version. I, I wonder. So okay, uh, I watched the dub. Same. I think okay. we both we both watched the one that's available on Prime, right? Yeah, yeah. So so and and I think the dub does a disservice to the material. I'm going to put that out there that if if this was in the uh, original Japanese with subtitles, I think it might have been more interesting and less uh, clumsy and ham-fisted. It still would have been as long as it was. Um, so you know, several demerits, no matter what, but. I mean, ugh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's like you said, there's a lot of stuff in this I really enjoyed. Like, I really like the animation. I really like the art direction. Everything looked cool, but it is just, like, interminable. And I was really worried. I was like, oh, shit, what if he really loves this? Oh, man, yeah. No, I oh, look, I, I was mostly concerned that you would that you would say, look, I, I didn't finish it. <laughs> I, I, got, I got 25 minutes in and... Notice that my beard had grown out 17 inches, and I decided I'm, I'm I just I have to live beyond this. Yeah, uh, I, I started last night, like before bed. I was like, I'll I'll turn this on. And I got through about about 20 minutes, and I was like, this is gonna be a a morning 
Joe kind of movie because I just I couldn't like there's no way I was going to stay awake through it in the middle of the night. So okay, uh, you alluded to the quality of the animation. It 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 looks like the like original Voltron kind of animation. It is it is beautiful. Yeah, everything is designed so well. Uh, there's this uh, really enjoyable combination of badass design and uh, a, that early 80s sort of cartoonish softness that it, it's just it, it really was fun to look at the whole time yeah it has a lot of that uh that kind of like bluth animation company look to it too i guess it was just part of the the way animation was filmed then like cell animation but it's yeah. kind of like like you said like a soft dark to it that works really well it, it, and it opens with a lightning storm, so we're, we're we've kept we've kept that going. There's lightning storms in every anime movie, guys. Get ready. Yeah, and uh, the witches of uh, who's a fudge? Oh God, yeah. I can't, I don't I don't I don't think I even wrote down the name of the mountain range, but it's a mountain range in in uh, New Zealand. Is that right? It was I'll, something like that. I could go with that. That sounds good. Let's let's okay. say it's in New so, Zealand. So this movie, this movie has uh, a three-level time-traveling narrative. It yes. has space pirates. It has an alien occupying force. It has a resistance force. It has uh, an unlikely friendship pairing a la Han Solo and Chewbacca or Kirk and Spock. It has uh, a really badass Wrath of Khan-style ending. But uh, everything has so much room to breathe. It feels like <laughs> this, this movie takes place in real time over 300 years. Yeah, yeah, it really does. It was One, I mean, it's really confusing because our, our opening sequence is uh, a, like World War II era, I guess, or, or earlier. No, I think it's World War I because we definitely get to... Oh, um, yeah, we get to World War II later. <laughs> yeah. So we open on a World War One, and there and and the protagonist in this in this movie is Captain Harlock, who who has a very deep uh, anime and manga pedigree as a character. Um, this movie, I guess, was a a uh, origin story for him and his pirate crew. So it's possible that future installments in this storyline are better. Um, but this one was really about setting up uh, how this guy goes from, I guess, uh, military leader to pirate. Um, but yeah, we open we open on World War One. So a mustachioed Captain Harlock, who we who we find out is the first Captain Harlock, I guess. Uh, and they all have. Okay, I got it. Yeah, they all have. I, what was their first name? Do you, did you write Phantom. it down? Phantom. Yeah, because I thought they said Phantomex a couple times, like the or Phantomos, like that old French spy movie. But it was definitely Phantom F, like Frank Harlock. Yeah, so they're all named Phantom F Harlock. There is Phantom F Harlock, Phantom F Harlock the second, and I guess the third. I don't know. That'd be. I think this movie takes place in like twenty six something. So I guess there's there's a few. The the nineteenth, yeah, something yeah. like that. Unless these Harlocks are just living forever, um, but yeah. So the 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 opening is is a very meditative sort of philosophical uh, 
theme establishing <laughs> scene that that never comes back and, no. and appears to have no additional meaning. But it does have the benefit of going on for roughly forty five minutes. Oh, it's so long, and it's just it's just him musing about how. Uh, he wants to fly over the Owen Stanley Mountains in New Guinea. There you go. And no one can do it. No one's ever flown over those mountains. So it's his, it's his Moby Dick. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then there's some sort of Owen Stanley witch, which we only really see as a cackling woman's face that appears ghost-like over the horizon. Can we... As, bef- uh, before- as, as, Go ahead. Uh, as I say, before we get too deep into it, can we talk about how the Harlocks have a congenital scar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they they all have a scar running across the bridge of their nose from uh, like just a badass like cool guy scar. Yeah. Um, and but yeah, every single one of them has a scar. We have no origin for the scar Which because makes, even it makes it infinitely confusing. It's like you gotta take this scar as like a family heirloom or something. It's like a pocket watch. Oh, this I mean, the the way that they link the time and sort of the genetic friendship together, uh, between him and and his really goofy looking little friend. Yeah, we'll get, is, we'll, uh, we'll get to him and his character design because that's something else. It's yeah. It's like I don't know. It, it are they? Yeah. All right. Well, we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that when we when we introduce Tochiro. Yeah. But but yeah. So so uh, original old World War One Captain Harlock tries to fly over the mountains, and then we cut to the credits and throw forward to uh, whatever twenty six hundred something as uh, the current. Uh, iteration of Captain Harlock crashes his his uh, military warship into Earth, <laughs> which yeah. is being occupied by a force of aliens who are called uh, what are they called? Oh, the Illuminus Empire. They yeah. basically just look like white guys, but they're slightly green tinted and they have really weird facial hair yeah. arrangements. Yeah, they all have like Civil War general facial hair. But it's like hair, facial hair that grows out from directly below your eyes. Yeah, <laughs> it's you so like cool. mutton chops that that are uh, eyeshadow mutton chops. Uh, I, I don't know. Until about like halfway through the movie or so, I found it impossible to keep track of the factions in this and who was what, and because they all look so similar, except for the green ones. Oh because, yeah, and they will, and they just say the names of the factions one time. Yeah, because I think I think this really this is a case of. Uh, this is probably a popular enough property that everybody knew what this was who would go see this movie, so everything is in shorthand, but it leaves us completely in the dark right. the whole time. I wonder if, like, this is how watching some of the current comic book movies are for just people totally unfamiliar with the properties, but, like, I feel like they do a decent job of just, like, bringing you in cold and introducing you to the characters and stuff. This is just, like, shit's just happening. Yeah, it's just it's it's all in media res, and it's all uh, yeah. I uh, you I didn't know which way was up as the movie started. <laughs> we should have watched which way was up. <laughs> the, the, the popular Richard Pryor anime. <laughs> okay, um, so he crashes the Death Shadow, which is the name yeah. of the ship. 
He crashes the Death Shadow, and it's loaded with refugees, I think. Yeah. Right? Are we Does he have s- refugees on the ship? Or is it just him? I thought it was just him. Like, these oh. these spaceships are impossibly huge, but able to be manned by, like, two people. Yeah, there. Uh, yeah, there's literally, like, two people in charge of any ship in this entire movie, other than the Illuminous ship at the end. Yeah, I'm not even like sure what, if they explain, like, what he was doing, like, he's just doing some kind of vague military action in space, like, what exactly was going on prior to that. But, like, you, it's funny, with the two flashbacks here, you feel like I understand what's going on with his ancestors more than I do with him, even though he's the de facto lead of the movie. Yeah, he's supposed to be the character we care about, and yet I know more about his, whatever, 12 greats grandfather who wants to fly over a mountain, and his 6 greats grandfather who is flying freelance for the Nazis. (laughs) He's he's, He's freelancing for the Nazis. He's like, I'm just doing it for the money. I need the work. Which is... He's a Nazi Uber fighter pilot. Yeah. It's it's the weirdest thing. The, the the principal two characters in this movie that we're supposed to care about are a Nazi sympathizing pilot and a Japanese man who I guess, I mean, given history, would have been doing technological work for the Axis powers. Yeah, we're, we're with the Axis on here. And the way that the – we'll just I guess we'll just talk about it now. Toshiro and Tochiro who – we'll get to the genetic memory thing. I'm sure you have notes about it. Yeah. <laughs> if – He's just a Japanese guy. I thought he was an alien. And you yeah. would think it was really racist if it wasn't made by Japanese people. Like, cause it, like the way he's drawn looks n- like literally nothing like any of the other humans or vaguely humanoid persons in the movie. He, uh, Everybody else in the movie looks pretty human. Like, as we have seen in every anime movie so far. Right. Tochiro looks like somebody took one of the like, good little creature puppets from Dark Crystal and just, like, rolled it out with a rolling iron to make it wider and fatter and flatter. And then he has glasses. Yeah, and the way he's dressed, like, when they do, like, the, the kind of long shots of the team, he looks like Orko or something. <laughs> like he's Yeah, he's got, like, a little... He's got a, a wide-brim hat and a cloak, and only you only see his glasses through this tiny little <laughs> narrow, narrow pierce of the veil. Yeah. It is... It's very odd. It is confounding. I think he's supposed to be, like, the comedy relief in the movie, but he doesn't do anything that's funny either. He's just sort of, like, despondently eating when we meet him. Yeah. In in the present timeline. And in the past timeline, he just sort of wanders into the scene with zero motivation other than, oh, I, I came here to do technology research. During yeah. the war. <laughs> he, he's funny in that, like, he is bizarre looking. Like, that is his, like, comedy chops, is that he just looks weird. Yeah. He's, you know, he's a lot like the uh, the character in Princess Mononoke that, uh, at least in the English dub, Billy Bob Thornton does the voice of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy, he's just always, like, shoveling rice in his face. But it's that similar, like, it's a really, like, head wider than it is tall. With just a... a <laughs> A mouth that's like, it is like a hand puppet of a person. It's the weird, yeah, it's just so strange. Um, yeah. So, uh, we're we're at the crash landing. Again, we're like five minutes into this movie. (laughs) We're at the crash landing. And, uh, so yeah, Harlock comes back, crashes the Death Shadow. The Illuminous Empire have conquered Earth and enslaved humanity. 
we get a, a wonderful quote from the Illuminous Empire, which is, Earth is the only place Earth men can live. <laughs> this is why I have, this is why I feel like this movie would have been better in Japanese rather than doing the dub. Because other than that, too, once Harlock speaks, uh, his voice does not match the, the character design at all. No, and the humans are enslaved in some kind of, like, all they do is, like, sit in open fields and are walked around by the military. Their, their slavery is just, like, Bonnaroo minus the music. Like, I don't understand exactly what the yeah. conquering means. Even when, even when after Harlock crash lands, he has a conversation with the Illuminous leaders, and then he they send him to like the food court, and yeah. it's this it's like, don't forget your coupons. It, it, it appears that lots of people are just chilling inside eating. It's not. It's, I mean, uh, as enslavement goes of a planet, this doesn't seem to be that brutal. Yeah, this is like an Anakin Skywalker level of slavery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, sand gets places, and that's <laughs> uncomfortable. But otherwise, it's totally normal. Um, yeah, I forgot all about the... Because it, it is like a scene that goes on interminably for him to get his food stamps. It's like, make sure oh. you, you use all your coupons before you run out of food and starve to death. So I guess they're running out of food. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it, so... But he goes and gets food really easily. Right, and then that's when he meets Tochiro in this timeline. Also, you got like if they learn nothing from the Romans, you got to feed your slaves. That's probably why they're just sitting around in a meadow all day. <laughs> yeah, they're, like, they're all they're all too pooped to work. You got to feed them. Um, yeah. So they meet, and we also meet, I guess, the Tokargans, who are humans who just wear green penis head helmets. <laughs> yeah, they are the Christmas humans. That's that's it. Like they're just they have round dome helmets like man at arms, I think, from He Man. Yes. And 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 they wear all green. That's it. Otherwise they are the same. But apparently they had something to do with the Illuminous Empire enslaving Earth. Right. And they also have a, a secretary who has no mouth. It's, yeah, like a cool they... it's a cool design, but and I'm sure you You'll probably uh, mention it or not, but all the women in this look exactly the same. Like, I mean, exactly. So it's, like, impossible to tell who's doing all what, of, except for the chick with no mouth. All of their heads are shaped like almonds with pointy chins. They are all uh, alabaster white, and they all have long, flowing blonde hair, with the exception of the last Tokargan female, who appears to be, like... <laughs> A seven-year-old. Yeah, it is a weird... It is a little the, too sexualized for my liking. Yeah, the subtext of that scene is a bit weird, but... <laughs> They're like, uh, if she dies, we can't fuck her. Right. <laughs> Therefore, we're done. Um, like, they, they're not even... It's not even long hair. It's like almost like a cape of hair they all have. Like, it's like it's short in the front, and they're basically standing on the backs of it. Yeah, they, they all have, they all have, like, mini bangs, and... <laughs> And of just like a, a floor-length wedding dress of, of blonde hair behind. Um, so uh, yeah, the, I guess they. So yeah, the Tokargans, I guess, try to lead in a, a resistance against them, against the Illuminus. Yeah, there's uh, also um, uh, it's actually kind of cool the way it's done, but it, it loses steam. Is they have like the voice of the resistance radio, which is cool, which turns out to be. Harlock's girlfriend. 
Yeah. Uh, now, what, when I looked up the plot to try to make sense of what was going on after yeah. the movie, they said it's Harlock's wife. Oh. That was never stated in any sort of clear no, way. No, not at I mean, all. It, it, they don't spend any meaningful time together in the movie at all. For, tw- um, for 20 minutes, I thought the voice of the Resistance was the robot secretary. Yeah, yeah. And because like, they have the same voice, as well as having the, almost, the exact same appearance. <laughs> and the um, same function. Actually, she the robot gets kind of the most agency of the female characters. Well, I guess we'll talk about it, but let's, I, I guess let's try and wrangle back to the plot. Yeah. So uh, okay. So there's there uh, Harlock and the Tokargan start like uh, well okay Harlock meets Tochiro in the in the food in the in the cafeteria and they talk about whatever and Tochiro's like hey I'm working on a secret project and. Uh, the secret project is that you know I'm I'm connected to the dreams of my ancestors, and uh, we're supposed to know each other or something. So they like leave to a secret lab in a cave, I guess. And yeah, Harlock <laughs> kind of gets like uplinked. Yeah, they get in- uh, they get arrested question mark yeah they get okay yeah because there's like there's a scuffle there's a fist fight um and a few people are killed like does harlock run off then see this is this is the problem there's like in the in the opening hour of the movie harlock runs off and ends up shooting like five or six people yeah two or three times but it's never really clear where he goes after no no consequences to his constant subversion of this alien occupation. If TJ was here and say the scene geography is all over the place, like, oh, yeah. like, like I would even have known for sure they were on earth, except that they mentioned it a couple times because it's just like, you see like all these super high tech bases and this one like rock meadow where all the slaves sit. Yeah. It's it. There is no sense of place. There's no yeah. sense of place that we can comprehend. If, if they wanted, they could have, they should have done. I mean, you could have gone with just that easy shorthand of Planet of the Apes and like, hey, there's the Statue of Liberty. Or there's part of it. Yeah, something. So at least you're like, hey, we know where we are. Some kind of landmark. <laughs> yeah, just throw an Arby's or something in there. Like, let me know what's going on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cause, Earthmen uh, can only there's eat the, it. There's the Arby's. That sandwich now, right? Oh, Arby's yeah. is putting some kind of crazy <laughs> fries <laughs> on a sandwich thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, settle down, guys. <laughs> Earthmen um, can only eat roast beefs. <laughs> we have the meats. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, so they get arrested, and then they break out. Right? No, well, I don't know, because there's also there's the um, the Inception scene, which is actually like kind of a cool scene when they cross, like, do, do you see where your genes cross? And it's like, are they trying to say that they're brothers or something? Like, and again, maybe it's a function of the dub, but like, what they're explaining is that they have some kind of, they have like ancestral common memory, but what they're telling them is that they have some kind of genetic duplication. Yeah. Or are it's... they trying to express that like they are like recycled genetic material? Like they're the same person. Just I'm trying to think of the, like a movie where this happens, but it's basically like. What is that? That's Toby coughing. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, 
shit. Where like it's the same person basically being reborn every time, and that's why it has the scar. Like, like it, or am it, I doing too much it, lifting for the script? Or no, what? I think I think they're trying to imply a Cloud Atlas esque. Okay, that's what I was kind looking of for. Continuum yeah. of of personality, but but it's not it. Yeah, the 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 science is so uh, suspect in this that you get basically hey. Um, we share the same memories through time, which because we're the same people as our ancestors, and my ancestor knew your ancestor, so we have to keep knowing each other because we're destined to be best friends. Right, but both of their ancestors have the Arcadia Journal. Is yeah, that... they, uh, yeah, they all have. Yeah, they both have the Arcadia Journal from the World War II timeline, right? I, I assume so. Yeah, when he's been working, working yeah. on his fucking uh, gun sights. Oh, yeah, that's, okay, yeah, because the, yeah, so, yeah, I guess they, yeah, so they, they, we, should we go into the World War II part now? Sure. Okay. Yeah, because it's just like, a, it's like, here is your memory, it's like a this is your life, and then they stop and show you a whole nother movie for half an hour. So it's, it's near the end of World War II, and Harlock, in this one, as we said, is a, a freelance Nazi pilot. Flying yeah. under the Iron Cross. Yeah, and it's like, I was like, okay, I, it's not what I think it is. You know what I mean? It's just some kind of, like, animation problem or, like, it's like some kind of parallel Earth. It's not, and it's like, oh, because at some point, like, a little bit later on, they, as uh, Toshiro quickly, like, hand paints uh, Harlock's logo on the side of this other plane, that there's, like, a humongous swastika on the tail fin of this plane. <laughs> Yeah, they no, they they go right at it, and they yeah. and they validate it because they're like, hey, you know, yeah, I I'm just doing this for the money. I got to do something. <laughs> like, do you really? <laughs> I... <laughs> so yeah, it, it, it's during a, a major defeat for for the Axis. Yeah, and he meets Tochiro, who's a Japanese exchange technician working in Germany. Right. Tochiro is trying to design a new gun sight. For fighter planes. And uh, uh, Harlock's most treasured possession in this. Now we're supposed to really bond with the ownership of a gun sight. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's like it's such a weird thing to watch something where the hero's like, oh no, the damn allies are going to blow it up. I'm like, wait a minute. We're the allies. That's, we're the good guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, and, and I, thought, I really thought it was interesting, but I think the thing that isn't interesting is that it doesn't pay off to mean anything for the rest of the movie. No, I, I was hoping that this was like, oh, cool. We're gonna get we're gonna get some real insight on like the resonant Japanese sense of World War Two, and what we get instead is like, no, it's literally just a set piece. It has nothing to do with anything. It feels like a really weird choice. Like, is there no other way? And it's not even like Harlock's German. I think they're supposed to be French. So like, that makes it even weirder. Yeah. Um, like yeah, he, he has zero allegiance to it. Right. And Tochiro doesn't seem to care about anything either. He just really wants to work on his gun sight. Right. Um, no one's an overt Nazi in this, but they're, yeah, they're definitely just going with the old Nazi flow. Right. Uh, so, they're, they're not Nazis, they're just nationalists. Yeah, they're, yeah, nobody wants you, nobody wants you to say it, but they're just nationalists. Right. Oh, uh, God. Uh, yeah, because they they discuss that the war is wasteful and pointless. Um, 
And Tochiro hopes that maybe the Germans in the development of weapons will develop a way to go to the moon. Uh, there's these these wistful things. Like, we, we are in an entirely different movie right now. Yeah. With zero attention to what we've been watching. That That is, is so maudlin. And, and, like... And not only that, but, like, totally unnecessary. Like, it, it really, like, matters nothing to the plot of the movie. Like, it... You could just have those two guys on the run from the Illuminati or whatever and just become friends. And one of them's like, hey, my grandfather worked on this thing in the war. The whole, like, the whole past lives conceit is, like, totally superfluous to the story itself. Yeah, it's way, it's, it's unnecessary. It's way too much. Because the only thing that really happens in this sequence, in this World War II sequence, is that they decide that they're gonna, they, they're going in for one last, I guess, sortie. Against against the Allies, right? And your oh, grandfather, like, yeah. Against yeah, I know my grandfather was in the Air Force during World War Two. Uh, but yeah, they go they go into this one last bottle, battle. Uh, Harlock stuffs Tochiro in like the tail section of the airplane, and uh, as they're flying around, uh, Tochiro gets shot because the plane gets shot up, but manages to hold on to the cable that connects to the uh, to the rudder of the plane. So that they can keep flying is insane. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts because the, the the because there are two weird throwaway lines, which is Harlock going, "Huh, the the pressure on this doesn't feel right." Yeah. And then when they land, he goes in and he sees this bullet riddled tiny little puppet man who's holding on to two cables, and he's like, "Oh, that's why it felt so soft." <laughs> like. And then and then you know and then it's like, "Hey, thank you so much. You saved my life, and we're bonded forever." And then right. soon we're back to the to the thirtieth century. Yeah, and this is is this the scene where uh, he has the gunfight against the entire invading army, and his wife just apropos of nothing just shows up and starts shouting his name. Yes, yes. So this is yeah. <laughs> he so Harlock like breaks out and just starts gunning down people like crazy. Yeah, he, he's and and we get like a a entirely not interesting chase sequence. It was confusing. Uh, again, like what what TJ would say about the setting, like I I didn't know where he was going, I had no sense of there being an exit. He just seems to be like, winding into a deeper and deeper tunnel. It's like the whole movie's like a color form, you know what I mean? They got the one background and everything just kind of like happens against it. So there's yeah. no like flow from one movement to the next. It's just they're kind of like running in place the whole time. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It really is because yeah, he just he stumbles into. Uh, a room that's kind of like a bombed out air, uh, like an aircraft hangar that's underground. And then, yeah, and then his wife uh, runs out. And what was her name again? Uh, did she have a name? She did. Well, she also runs out and, like, you find out, I guess she, did she get shot at some point during that radio broadcast? Is that what we're led to believe? Because there's, like, a scene where you kind of see her form in a window and then, like, the glass crack. And she also makes some kind of reference to the fact that she's dying again. Like I feel like I missed twenty minutes of something somewhere. Yeah, they they both seem to get shot in this moment, and so she like runs out screaming for him. I think she's shot during that, and then he's also shot, most notably right through one eye. Oh yeah, he gets mo greened. He gets yeah, he gets mo greened, and no one is hurt enough to fall down. No, they just keep moving toward each other, and 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 then uh, they get 
captured, I guess. Or he gets captured. She runs away. Or gets dragged away. Is that right? Yeah, have we... Do we also miss where Queen Daedalus or whatever her name is crash, also crash lands on the planet? Oh, e- Emeraldas? Yeah. The, the, the woman with the pirate ship attached to a blimp? Yes. Yeah, because for some reason there's also like... A, an extraordinarily steampunk conceit happening in combination with all the actual like space tech. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, she's uh, yeah, uh, Emeraldus, who I guess again, like I, I read a little bit about this whole situation, and she and Harlock have like a long storyline in their shared universe where they're con- she's constantly kind of showing up as. I, I don't know what even character to call her. She's like the maybe the D'Artagnan to his uh, Three Musketeers. Swoops okay. in and out now and again. They're never actually uh, uh, on the same team exactly, but they're never not on the same team. <laughs> so she's the proto-man to his mega-man? Yes! Perfect. Okay. <laughs> oh, uh, the wife's name is Maya. Maya, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, so... I'm not gonna let's not put it on front street the whole like beginning to basically from the beginning of the movie till they get to um what's the Christmas planet called the tar uh, not Targaryen Tokarga Tokarga is uh-huh. like just impossibly boring yeah yeah nothing nothing is hap- I mean we've made it sound like a lot of cool shit has happened yeah it is slow and uh, even, like, the, the, the major battle sequences and things are, like, long, lingering shots of them cycling a, a, like, a circular bit of animation where tiny people throw punches back and forth at each other <laughs> ad nauseum. Um, yeah, and, like, you're, you, again, you spend, like, no time with anything that's going on on Earth, so it's, like, it's hard to really, like, empathize with anybody because you... Okay, there's an invading force. You can't tell anybody from anybody else. They all look and act pretty much the same. I guess, like, by the middle of it, I figured out that there's, like, a human turncoat. That the guy, he's not part of the Illuminatus Empire or whatever. He's just some rando that sold them out, possibly. Oh, really? <laughs> I didn't get that at all. He's the guy that shoots, um, who's the, the brother? Zol or whatever? He shoots him in the back. Oh, okay. So he's the Tokargan turncoat guy. Is that no? I think he's a he's a Earth man. I know it's impossible to tell them apart because they look exactly the same. There's no, besides yeah. the uniforms, like yeah, other no... than other than the green penis helmet, right? That's pretty much it. Yeah, okay, so he's he's an Earth man, but then he decides to not. He 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 doubles back on his choice. Yeah, he, he's like the native governor of the the conquered land. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, they they get shot. He and Maya get shot. Harlock and Maya. Um, meanwhile, Tochiro fixes... Oh, oh, sorry, we didn't... Toby. So we, had, uh, um, we didn't mention that Tochiro has secretly been building a starship... Like, by himself. And we're not talking about, like, a car-sized, like, two-man spaceship. We're talking about an entire, like, battle frigate. Like, yeah, it's, it's, like, it's, like, city-sized. Yeah, it's a giant, like, it's a submarine-sized ship that has, like, a cool skull and crossbones applique on the front. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, 
it, just in there's case a lot of pirates got into this. <laughs> wander around. And, like, not only has he been building it by himself, like, with what materials, in secret, underground, like, like it's so dumb. It's, yeah, oh, it's, it's, uh, so much of this stuff is, is hidden in a place where you would think if, if you, if you were the Illuminous occupying force, you would be paying attention to, to these sorts of things, you know? What does the Illuminous occupation force want other than to occupy? Like, what's, that's that's all I got. goal? I don't, I don't think they, there, there wasn't anything. I mean, other than, uh, they appear to be honor based. Like, yeah. well, that's, so, but that's yeah. it. It's like, we want to occupy this and we're honor based. I or really lead captain guy in the Illuminous is honor based. I really thought, uh, before the movie ended for the sixth time, that this movie was going to end with no, like, conflict resolution. I thought it was just going to end with them all leaving Earth, like, that there was going to be no big, uh, no big fight or anything at the end, but then it's like, oh, this movie's still got another half an hour left. Yeah, it, you 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 would be totally right to think that because they spend, I don't know, twenty minutes slow motion leaving the Earth, and you would think at any point the credits would roll, as like sweet escape music plays. Well, not only that, but they come back to Earth and then they get exiled again. Which I, which is where I thought it ended for the second. This movie has like six denouements somehow. Well, and it's and it and it's all it's all this very uh, contrived. Like you're exiled. Yeah. You're you're this. Like nobody's, no one seems to do anything by choice until the very end. Right. And then it's kind of interesting. And like, Captain Harlock, other than the fact that like he looks cool sucks as a character he's the worst lead character we've had i think so far. like the least interesting he's he is so boring and yeah he does he's he's got like a cool like red army frock coat and like cool skull and crossbones buttons yeah um and he's got his his shock of hair that's always swept across one eye but he really he he's He's as much a passenger in this movie as we are. He doesn't seem to have anything in mind. No. He just sort of runs from place to place. He's like, okay, I have to forward the plot by running over here. Like, he is he is vaguely irritated by the notion of the Earthmen not standing up for themselves. Other than that, he seems to want nothing, has no goal. You know, he's just like, he, he, like you said, he's just there. Yeah, he because he's, other than the moment where he, I think he says... Like he tries to save Maya, or he runs toward her. Yeah. But but then even but there's no emotion attached to when that goes wrong, and they're separated, and then they're just miraculously sort of put back together, and then separated again. Uh, yeah, he has no arc. He comes in and leaves exactly the same person, Sans an eye. Yeah, yeah. Which again, we lost an eye, so maybe he gets like a cool uh, Goku eye. Yeah, he learns nothing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's no, there's no lesson for him. There's no character change. There's, it's just, like, it's one of the, like, the worst main characters in a movie I've seen in a long time. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, because, cause, okay, so Tochiro has fixed that ship. And all that happens now is, okay, so Harlock basically collapses, and one would assume he's dead because he's been shot, like, 17 times, including getting Mogrind. 
Like, yeah, I'm not a, an expert on anatomy, but I would feel like a laser blast that went through your eye socket would also probably clip part of your brain. Yeah, you would You would think there'd be the spinal severing, uh, you know. Something. Something's melted. Uh, yeah, but it doesn't seem to affect him at all. Uh, he doesn't even have a, a Phineas Gage-style personality change. He's just... <laughs> He's just still boring and nonplussed by everything. What if the second half of this movie was just like regarding Henry and it's just him painting crackers? He's it's just, just like... he, he has a magical Negro assistant who, <laughs> who helps him learn how to walk and talk again. But he also learns to value his relationship with Maya in a new way. Yeah. I think, yeah. Did you know that that was J.J. Abrams' first, uh, first movie credit? He wrote that. I did that. not. No. Yeah. <laughs> he wrote regarding Henry. Um, which honestly, I I think I saw it either in the theater or on video shortly after it came out when I was yeah. when I was younger, and I really did like it back then. So did I. I feel like I watched it on HBO like a lot. Yeah, and then uh, a, a rewatch about five years ago was like, oh wow, this is this is not good. Yeah, this is, this is not a good movie. Um. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so so we have a spaceship and. The uh, Tokargan people want to go back to Tokarga. So I guess they all pile on the ship to go to Tokarga. They go there for something specific. Like, what, are, are they going to save the last female? Is that what it is? I don't, I don't think they're aware that there's only one female left. Like, I think that, like, there, there's some kind of lip service paid to why they go back. But, yeah, Harlock's going to take them, but leave... Um, why can't I think of her name now? Maya? No, 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 no. Emeraldus? Um, Emeraldus. There to help, like, lead the rebellion with Zell. Like, the, the, ge- the geography of this makes no sense. Like, the guy that's, like, the leader of the Tokarga is going to stay on Earth, and the ostensible leader of the Earthmen is going to go to Tokarga. It's like a strangers on a train thing. Yeah, yeah. Which I... I... The only reason that I got was that the Tokargan guy feels really guilty about how they participated in... The occupation, right, but I but don't what? understand. But they they don't go into how that worked, no. and we don't see any of these things happen. The problem with this movie is we we pop into the most boring aspect of these conflicts. We don't get to see a force take over the Earth. We don't get like, and and it's not yeah, it's not there... like a World War Z style thing where we're getting uh, like ephemeral evidence of the change in humanity either we're sort of in like the dead zone between all the cool shit just happened but you missed it and uh, cool stuff will happen later but you're not gonna see it yeah we're in the um the negotiating the rebuild contracts phase yeah (laughs) just a lot of galactic senate stuff like but the you know to your point about the two cargans like i didn't realize that was a separate people until like way too late in the movie i i i had to look it up like i i had to read the wikipedia article on it and go oh they're different i assumed uh, they were like an earth faction right just, but no they're an entirely different species of, of alien who even yeah. though they look exactly the same <laughs> yeah just they're just humans but wearing green is it the is it the soap bubble theory where like all life on uh, you know all carbon based life would look exactly the same because it's the most efficient form to take? The, yeah, I, it it can't be because of cost constraints on animation. No, <laughs> we can only hire guys that draw human people that look like this. Okay, great, make those green. Make these other ones a little paler than the other ones. Great, we're good. 
<laughs> um, yeah, so, so I, yeah, they decide to leave. They go to Tokarga. Tokarga is decimated. Yeah, it's fucked up. It is, it is, it is destroyed. There's like ten people left. They're fighting and dying. Um, and, yeah. I, I actually, like, I don't hate this. Like, it, like all the space ship animation and like well we talked about some of the plane stuff earlier like all the flying animation is like really well done it all looks really cool like all the dog fighting and the uh the master and commander battle at the end like all that shit looks awesome but it's just like it's just you know bookends for just fluff like there's nothing to it yeah but like i i don't hate the you know the the Arcadia landing and then the um the little scout planes coming out like that all that shit looks cool although like I gotta be honest and maybe it's just because of the way the person looked in some of the scenes like I wanted this made me want to watch Macross a lot like What's Robotech that? just watching this like I was like I wish we were watching Robotech because like I feel like there's a lot of similar design elements between the two yeah well, we we sh- maybe we should watch that next yeah pick uh yeah, I, I I agree completely. Like the 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 animation of all the ships and the space battles and the and, and the air battles is is really cool. It's really well done. It's it's energetic, um, and, and and it's really enjoyable. But but yeah, there's just you know even when you cut to the interior to Harlock and his crew in that in that final battle, like there's no energy to any of this stuff. Like nobody seems nobody seems to care. Nobody seems like there's anything on the line. It's and 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 maybe that's because the dub is so emotionless. Well, not like and, yeah, but the characters themselves aren't like moving. You know what I mean? There's no like, there's no sense of action inside in the interiors of the ships. Like you know, uh, I mean, just for an example, like a, another movie might you know the 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 yaw of the ship would change. So they'd be sliding around. A ship would be flying. You know what I mean? Shit would be yeah, going on do, in the do. ship. You do classical Star Trek stuff where, like, yeah. a bunch of dirt explodes out of a console for some reason <laughs> and something goes flying. But at least it would be, yeah, you'd have a sense of that action. Right. Um, and, and all we really get is a couple of cool sequences where when, when there's damage, there's, like, fire rolling through and stuff like that. But there's almost nobody near the fire, so you don't have any sense of scope on how many people are in danger or, yeah... Oh, so okay, so we're at I almost said Tokugawa. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're at Takarga, and there's a uh, still an automatic defense grid set up for some reason, which seems like a big waste of money for the three people that are still on the planet that you're going to bomb in ten seconds anyway. Right. <laughs> and they they stumble upon. It's like, where am I gonna find his delivery? I you know, God bless. I'm sure these, like, early anime, it was tough for the English voice actors to do it, because they didn't know what the fuck's going on. It's just like, here, read this. Yeah. But it's like, where are we going to find Zol's brothers now? And, like, as soon as he says it, they just, of this whole planet they could have landed on, they just happen to land, I mean, this is a sci-fi trope, but they just, like, out of happenstance, land five feet away from where this brother and sister have been killed, and they're talking bird with an impossibly thin neck. What the fuck with the talking bird? I have, like, it, it, it's... And the talking bird doesn't have an arc either. You would think this was, like, something. 
No, he's a signpost. For it's the... just a talking bird. Yeah. Well, I, you know what it is? I bet it's like they're like, well, pirates need to have parrots, right? So how do we get them a bird? Like, you oh, can't just yeah. have a bird. Yeah. I, I'm by that. We have, we have to have this whole contrived. And that's the whole thing. That's like like when we're talking about with the um, the ancestral memory thing. Like, it's like, oh, well, you know, we need to figure out a way for Japanese and a uh, Japanese guy and a French guy to meet. Well, let's have this, like, long-spanning World War II segment. It's like, no, they just happen to run into each other. It's fine. It's the future. They can both be <laughs> in right. the human resistance together. It's like everything was written around, like, these, like, three, you know, pieces of uh, pirate accoutrement he needs. So we have to make this, like, insufferably rambling movie. Like, this oh. bird is so obnoxious. You know what? This is something I think I've noticed a lot in the anime, especially from this era that we're watching, is there's a lot of repeated sounds, like the Brother Zolz, come back to Takara and save us, and the bird says it like 9,000 times. It's like the King Rao, or like yeah. it's, I, I don't know what that trope is, but it's its really annoying. <laughs> I, I think it, I, I mean, okay, the do you think it has something to do with the fact that the dub like there's there just has to be financial limitations on the dub. So so some of it's just got to be filling in gaps. You think so? You think it's just loops? I mean, look, they they couldn't have had a lot of money to pay the dub actors because there is zero subtext to anything anybody says. Yeah. Like no scene breathes around the implication of something. Everybody says exactly what they mean and the plot yeah. is propelled. It almost seems like they didn't like they were they didn't have a script that was just like, okay, go ahead and voice this thing as it's playing and describe what's going on. Like, it's like... Yeah. It's like those old Who's Line episodes where they'd have to go dub the movie that they didn't know what it was. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It does. <laughs> it feels exactly like that. I'm, you know, I, I'm Harlock and I'm a pirate and you're a Japanese man and this is a ship. Did you find this ship? No, I made this ship. Okay, we're going to space now. <laughs> like, that is that is all of the dialogue in the movie. You yeah. hit it perfectly. I mean, that's... And that's the thing. It's like... There is no gravity to any of this because everybody just says stuff and 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 everybody's delivery and and again you're probably right it's like hey you have no idea what's going on and you're trying to read this dialogue but everything is so flat and dry it's just uh it looks like there's pirates over there there's no fear there's no sense like uh, I don't know I don't know uh so yeah, so they, they they find that that weird bird, and then we see the last of the Tokargans. There's like a handful of Tokargans left, and they're searching for the last Tokargan woman because there appear to be no other ones. Is that what they're doing? I thought they were just like like laying around fighting. I didn't know they had like an actual mission that they were scouring the I, planet I for felt, bitches. I felt like the one the last ones who were on Tokarga were doing a Saving Private Ryan. Like they were trying to, they were like, "Hey, we, you know, we have a, uh, our Fitbit says how many women are left on Tokarga, and it's down to one. We gotta go." Okay. <laughs> I mean, that I makes, hope that, that, makes, that makes more I have sense. No idea what that was about. Yeah. Oh, we also we also didn't mention that prior to this, um, Maya and Esmeralda. I'm never gonna get this woman's name right. Are captured and crucified while the. Other while the um the Arcadia is in low Earth orbit. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, like they're immediately captured. Oh yeah, because because the 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 thing that especially leads to Maya's capture is Maya comes out of hiding 
still riddled with laser wounds, yeah. watch the Arcadia fly, <coughs> and then immediately, despite the fact that it looks like she's in the middle of nowhere, that she emerged from a ground cave to nowhere, she's just surrounded by guys and, and, and captured. Yeah, uh, uh, ice shows up and crucifies them. <laughs> Man, it's it's real, though. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the... It, Okay, so yeah, we're we're dealing with this we're dealing with this public crucif crucifi crucifixion? Crucifixion. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> I thought it was crucifixion for a second. <laughs> I Sorry. like that. No, that's the chili peppers version. Yeah. <laughs> California crucifixion. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there, there, yeah, there's a there's a crucifixion occurring simultaneous to Harlock being on the wrong planet because Zol, the Tokargan turncoat slash human turncoat is down there, and he tries to break up the crucifixion. Yeah, with with his like last remaining Tokargans and a few of the uh, rock sitting enslaved, and they all just get slaughtered. Yeah, and uh, uh, Melda gets shot right in the face. <laughs> yeah, she's fine is... though. Don't worry. No, yeah, it doesn't. No, none of these none of these uh, wounds matter, other than Maya's because. I think Maya yeah. does die. Yeah. Yeah, but it takes, like, a really long time. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so uh, back on Tokarga, they find the last Tokargan woman, who they keep calling the last Tokargan woman, woman def despite the fact that she's definitely four years old. Yeah, and they're all, like, adult men. Yeah, they're, they're all Tom Selleck mustachioed adult men. Yeah. And they're like, oh, no. The last Tokargan woman has died, and the line of Tokarga dies with her. Yeah, could they not have just like mashed Earth women? Like, I've, is there like a like a like a reproductive difference? I guess it's not going to get that deep into it. But again, because they look exactly the same, it's like it it means less. You know what I mean? If they had given them some kind of unique design, or like give them something, even like a pointy ear or something, some kind of like sixties uh, cheap special effect. It would do something, but they just look like regular people, so the weight of it doesn't feel like it should. Well, the, the Illuminous people have pointy ears. Yes. The ones whose hair doesn't cover their ears. Right. And, that, and that's, like, the only other thing aside from their greenness. But, yeah, I, it is. It's the weirdest thing because we have no explanation why they're calling this very tiny girl a woman. And we have no we, – and we see no other women in the entire Tokargan thing, even – not even, like, a corpse of a woman. Right. So we have no concept of, like, oh, do, do they mature, or do they just, like, yeah, is this just, like, an inverse uh, natural order thing where the females are so tiny and the males are average-sized humanoids? Yeah, because the, the implication here is that if she were not to die, they were going to, like, keep her in a room or something somewhere until she was old enough for them all to fuck her. Which yeah, they was... were going to do what, uh, what the bad guy in... Um, uh, Apostle was going to do with the last two women. Correct. Lock them up and bone them. That's called that's called the Big Ted Nugent maneuver. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can we, so yeah. So it, it doesn't matter. They're on the ship, and um, Harlock wants to fly through this fire planet that has been referred to a few times as the same as the Space New Zealand Witch, but. The robot secretary makes some kind of... Because these guys all jump out and kill themselves. 
uh, because right. th- there, before there were no one left to fuck. But, like, she says something like the life reaction was dragging the ship down. Like, what does that mean? Because that phrase life reaction gets used, like, two or three times. And, like, the way it's presented is that they were weighing the spaceship down, like, ballast. So they just jumped out, which is fucking absurd. Yeah, they... Because it's, like, five guys. Yeah, it's five guys who sacrifice themselves nobly because Tokarga is no more. And they don't have a woman, so what's the point? But, yeah, it... I don't know. I... I assume it's supposed to mean that the cloud somehow can grab onto a ship if there's enough people on it. But, uh, yeah, they give no explanation as to what it is. But then those people do leap off and vaporize. Yeah. And the ship and is... leave the door like, open? No fat. Yeah. yeah there's, <laughs> there's no sense of how the vacuum works in this yeah. at all. And they just kind of walk down there and like, huh. Well, that was weird. <laughs> they just go back to what they're doing. Then they go back to Earth again. Right. They go back to Earth again. Uh, and, yeah, I guess as they they're go back coming to Earth back... And they are immediately banished as to not be a beacon of hope for the Earthmen. Yeah, don't be a beacon of hope. But what's weird, too, is that the, the Illuminous leader guy is saying that... Uh, well, they 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 have a lot of respect for Harlock because Harlock calls and asks for permission to land. Yeah, and they and and we spend we spend way too much time on this as a thing, and then it doesn't mean anything. But no. it's like five minutes of conversation about how how bold and noble it is to ask yeah. permission to land again. Because the implication of this conversation is that once he lands, they will you know capture and enslave him, which is what I expected to happen from the tone of the speech. But then he lands, and they're like, okay, you're here, but you should leave, though. <laughs> yeah, it, it, they're basically like, uh, yeah, so in in this is post-Uprising, so Zal, the, the Tokargan turncoat guy, is killed, Emerelda is scarred, and Maya is killed completely. Yes. And, and Harlock so- has a heretofore unseen gun... A pay, or is that what those things are called? Like the fencing rapiers? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that thing makes an appearance and is very cool, but it comes from nowhere with yeah, no explanation. And, and leads to nothing. Yeah, and, and leads to nothing. Um, what, what's, okay, so what's weird is Harlock gets to see Maya as she dies. Yeah. And, he, and, and the dialogue has him say, I had so many things to say. And then he doesn't say anything. <laughs> it, just like he didn't say anything for the entire rest of the movie. So it's like, okay, so... Uh, I mean, I, I get that this is like a strong, silent type thing. But, uh, yeah, there's no... <laughs> there's no gra- there's no emotional gravitas. that Like, this is supposed to be... A- Again, I didn't know that this was this guy's wife until you told me 40 minutes ago. Oh, yeah, and I, and it, I, watched yeah, I would not have known that I not looked it up. Yeah. And then, so, the, the, the second-in-command of the Illuminatus is going to shoot Harlock, and the leader's like, you defy me and raise a gun, well, that'll be the end of you. And right. then the scene stops for 10 seconds... And then he gets shot what looks like through the back of the head, but it then it does the hard cut to the gun lance thing. It's like, okay. Because the the leader 
says that I reserve the right to duel you, which I thought was going to... This is where I thought the movie was going to end. Right. And then, because they're playing the going home score the whole time in the background, like, super loud. Like, the audio mix in this is terrible. But Yeah, no, it's it, it, it gets blast out loud and then quiet. Right. And then back to blasted loud. But then they go, he's like, I'll choose the place and the weapon. So I thought they're going to have, like, a legit, like, pistol duel. I'm like, okay, well, that's something. Because, like, like I said, the movie's ending. I'm like, there's no, like, big conflict. Like, that's, that's, an, that's a bold choice. It doesn't work for this, but it's interesting. It's like Star Trek The Motion Picture. There's no villain. It just kind of ends. Yeah, yeah. But, it, but no, they go into space again. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, when is this movie going to be over? And, like, I look at the thing. There's still, like, half an hour left. I'm like, this is impossible. Oh, yeah, no, it's, it's going to keep going forever. <laughs> and it doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's like uh, you would think that any of these things were going to lead to something. But they just don't. <laughs> yeah. And by, Until the battle. And the battle's yeah. the coolest thing. Yeah, and by duel they mean like old steez naval ship-to-ship fight, which is not something I expected but is cool. Yeah, no, it was, I, I think it was very – I didn't expect it either because I was like, oh, they're going to just like do pistols at dawn or something. Yeah. And then they don't. But we do. We get a, we get a very cool, uh, very Star Trek-esque um, spaceship battle. That was interesting. Yeah. Um, and deserves to be the climax of a much better movie. Well, it, it, it could have... This could have been a much better movie if this... <laughs> if this were, like, the thing that happened 10 to 15 minutes in and yeah. led to a much larger version of this as the climax. Right. But instead, it's just people walking around not doing anything... Until we get to this thing, which is the only really exciting part of the whole the whole film. Yeah, and so many of these Illuminatus guys get incinerated over the course of this ship fight. It's oh, insane. Yeah, there is no sense of like collateral damage or uh, uh, what's what's the term I'm looking for um, when you lose a lot of men in war. Casualties. Yeah, there, no one seems to care. It's just like okay, there's a bunch of disposable green guys down there, and they're just getting vaporized and 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 lit a flame yeah and harlock's ship uh the city-sized submarine consists of a crew of like six dudes oh because yeah because there is a there is like a a rallying cry moment in the film where he's like who who among you he's talking to all of the rock sitting (laughs) humans who among you wants to join my pirate crew and two guys get up and run over and he's like, so you two guys know that this could be dangerous, right? And they're like, yeah, we do. And that's it. Yeah. And he, then I think three the other guys run up the gangplank as he's leaving. Like, I think there's, like, a quick, like, a couple other guys come up. But, yeah. Oh, yeah, but, I mean, like, he for, for being such a important leader, he doesn't inspire anyone. No. <laughs> like, no. He, he clearly like, doesn't inspire them enough to, to, to sign up. It's like the the fucking the office scene of Jerry Maguire. It's just like who's coming with me, and then like like a fucking a dotish Renee Zellweger stands up and's like, I'll go. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and and it what yeah, and it's and it's the weirdest thing because you would think if you're if you're an enslaved population, you would clamor for the opportunity to get out of there any way possible, even if right. it's joining a pirate crew. But there's 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 clearly just like there's not really anything wrong with being under Illuminus Empire like 
jurisdiction. You, yeah. you just, I guess you you have to use food stamps, but otherwise it's pretty much like every other day. Right. And like the whole thing, he comes back to Earth, I think, specifically to drop the capsule coffin off to the to Zol, who is already dead. So like then has to take her capsule coffin and his capsule coffin back into the ship with him. And they and they get a nice they get a nice end of Wrath of Khan funeral. Yeah. As well. Which both of these movies came out in the same year. Wrath of Khan and this were both 1982. Of all the souls, he was the most human. Uh, <laughs> I'm so but, moved. Yeah, so then that, they of course they defeat the, the Luminous Empire. And, uh, is that it? What happens? He, There's something that happens so after that. He, he beats the other captain, but the other captain, because he respects being defeated so much. Yeah. Blows his ship up close enough to them that it creates some sort of warp in space-time. Yeah, that is weird. That makes it so that because because then another Illuminous Armada shows up to start shit with him, but they can't hit the Arcadia with anything because they're they're inside like a bubble. Right. So lasers just warp around them. And yeah, yeah I, f- I feel like they could have spent a little bit more time explaining what that was, but at this point, the movie's already been on for four hours. So. Yeah, it's we've we've aged. We, yeah. you know, uh, we've gone. Uh, our our genitals have gone furlough. Like empires have <laughs> risen and fallen. <laughs> yeah. So uh, and then and then yeah, we just get like a funeral scene where they shoot the the coffins out into space. And look out the window, but there's really no weight to that either. It's no. kind of okay. That happened, and it, it looks pretty, but there's nothing to it. Right, like the last female, you only ever see her like, like comatose. So it doesn't really. It's like okay, well, they were. She's pretty much dead when they found her. I don't care. <laughs> like, but but it's it's the last female, Maya, and and the Takargan guy. Right, it's just like just dress up a bunch of Earthmen in Takargan outfits and say they're Takargan. Who's gonna argue with you? Like yeah. nobody. Yeah, no. Just go back and rebuild with Earthlings. It's yeah. completely like a Class M planet or whatever. Like there, no one needs to do any kind of special breathing apparatus anywhere. Right. So yeah. what does it matter? Um, yeah, and then we just kind of end on like they're revolutionary moralist pirates. And then I have a note here that says that closing theme song, wow, but I don't remember the closing <laughs> theme song at all. No, it's, I'm sure it's another one of those like comical, like super intense ballads like all the other ones are. Yeah, lots of strings and sweeping whatever. Yeah, and 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 that's it. That's yeah. that's this movie. We we are to believe that Harlock and Tochiro and whoever his crew is are going to go off and be good space pirates. And they're going to run into Emerelda again because Emerelda's like, hey, see you later, guys. And she yeah. flies off in another direction. She gives them the old see you space cowboy. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. That's that's all this movie is. And uh, good Lord, it was long and boring. And uh, I'm sorry that I put you through it. I'm sorry I picked it. No, I mean, it's, it's cool because it's like, again, it's a seminal work. Although, like... If I had seen this, I would have no desire to see any of the rest of it, like, you know, when it all came out. 
No, it, it, it is not. Uh, it, it does not do what Disney did with the Marvel movies to set up like, hey, you're going to want to continue watching this universe. Yeah, I think but, this is I think you mentioned it, though. I think this is actually a prequel to the television show. Yeah, it's, but, it's an origin story yeah. for the television show. And I think there's like one other movie of of, of the of the Harlock saga. Um, but yeah, it's just. It it would it would definitely turn me off to it. I I really only enjoyed that last space battle, and I was like, "Wow, this is actually kind of thrilling. Cool, we're getting a sense of what this world is like." Yeah, and I hate the excuse that like, "Oh, well, it's a prequel, or you got to watch this." It's like, no, the movie's the movie. Like, it's got to be on the screen, or else it doesn't count. Like, yeah, yeah, it's and and it would seem that this is a rich enough world. That they could have picked better things to put in this movie, but they yeah, I, they didn't. I mean, you could have just cut all the flashbacks and shit out of it. The movie had been like ninety minutes long, and like it still would have been boring, but it wouldn't have been like fucking excruciating. The way yeah. it kind of is. Yeah, no this this movie should have been eighty to ninety minutes long at most, and it was two hours and ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think there's a Everything version. Even, there's a version that's even longer. I think there's like a two and a half hour version of this because, like, when I was looking up something, the runtime said it was like, you know, whatever, 150 minutes. I was like, good god, oh no. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, uh, should we should we do waifus on this? Yeah, let's go ahead. All right. Uh, okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it four waifus. Yeah. It has uh again, it's got like the the art is beautiful. Uh the the design of I mean the environments are all pretty boring and interchangeable. We talked about that. The ships are really neat. Um the character designs are cool. And uh and that battle at the end was was enjoyable at very least. Um but yeah, otherwise it's like it's like being forced to watch paint dry. Yeah, it, it's it's like watching a really boring History Channel show about the fucking, uh, the invasion of Earth. Yeah, yeah, it would, because yeah, it would just, it's, and it would skip over all the cool stuff. It's not even like, it's, it's not even a Ken Burns style uh, sort of thing where you're getting artifacts and letters and, and communiques. You have no sense of what anyone is suffering or going through, and uh, everything is pretty much devoid of life until there's clearly plenty of life, and and that's it. That's the movie. Yeah. Nate, this movie sucks, man. (laughs) (laughs) I just, like, I'm trying to think of a more eloquent way to put it, but it just sucks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm bending over backwards trying, to it, <laughs> trying to validate giving it a four. I mean, like you said, like, the, the, all the design work is cool, and it's all like classic, like that era, anime manga shit, and like that's all cool, man, and I like it. But it's like the movie is just fucking bad. <laughs> like, and it's not even like bad, like incompetent, like Goku was. It's just bad. Oh yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, it it, it never reaches a point of being so bad that you're enjoying the badness. It's right. just, it is. It's just fucking boring. I'm actually, I'm gonna, I'm amending it down to a two. Because, <laughs> well, look, yeah, it, it the it gets two for the for the art, and that's and that's 
a good part of the reason why we're here, but I could have far more enjoyed flipping through some sort of anthology of Harlock artwork. Yes. And I probably would have gotten as much of the story by doing that for an hour as I did for watching this ungodly long movie. Yeah, it's, it's, it sucks. <laughs> like, I just, I, I can't. Like, yeah, I guess a two's fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like nothing about this besides the actual drawing is good. Like, the, the soundtrack's terrible. The sound mix is terrible. The editing's terrible. The script's terrible. The fucking, the voice performances are all bad. Like, and, uh, like bad, bad. And some of them are mixed so low you can't hear them. Like, oh, yeah, some people are muttering while other people are... Harlock constantly is, he's talking very deep and very loud and very flat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is how Harlock talks. Yeah, he, t- he talks like Henry Rollins. Yeah. <laughs> and he only says things like, I am talking. Yeah. I am flying the ship. It is this time is... to resist the thing. <laughs> oh, you, girl, stop. Yeah. yeah. God. Oh. Yeah, I'll give it a two. It's it's fucking. Ugh. I'm glad we watched it. Yeah, no, it no, is, I, it is bad. It, yeah, this and what's what's great is that we, uh, for being so bad, I think we've had more to talk about in this movie than we like have for a couple. Yeah, uh-huh. that's how it usually works. Like, if you really love something, it's hard to, you know, wrap your head around, you know, discussing it. Right, right. But like when it's this bad, it's just like it's like incomprehensible. Yeah, yeah. It 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 yeah. It took it took all of the worst parts of any bad animated movie and built the entire story around those. Yeah, it's the total opposite of Fist of the North Star, which is also like weirdly incompetent and chopped up. But it's like let's just do all the fast parts, and like this one, they're like let's do all the slow parts. Yeah, and, and that in that battle, fast parts is gonna win. Every time. Oh, yeah. No, Fist of the North Star is, like, a greatest hits record. Yeah. And this is, like, all the B-sides. Yeah. Like, oh, good. Yeah, that song that I forgot that I didn't like. Cool. It's nice to... Oh, there's... Yep, I didn't like that one either. Okay, great. But but deep cuts. <laughs> Ugh. All right. So twos, twos across the board. Uh, do you want to Do you want to talk about First Reform now? We can talk about first and foremost. This is going to be the live action. Yeah. Bit. Yeah. Welcome to the live action corner with Sean and Nate. <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> I I loved I love this movie. Good. It's it, it it's the best I've ever seen Ethan Hawke. I mean, it like. Yeah, it is so, a it is like because he's been in such like garbage over the last few years. Besides, like you know the before sunset movies, which. You know, are fine. They're not my favorite, but like he's good in them. Yeah, I mean those the the Linklater movies are like they are they are a a sort of philosophical like uh, table read kind of movie. Yeah, and 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 he, you know the, they do a good job with it. Um, uh, aside from maybe Gattaca, this is the this is the movie where I'm like, wow, Ethan Hawke can really do. He's got chops. Like he really embodies this character. Yeah, you can tell he's like really into this movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he is. I mean, especially in that ending sequence, he he is he sells the anguish and the sacrifice of that so well and so realistically um, without without it going over the top. Because this this movie could have easily ended in an almost comedically over the top sort of way. 
Yeah, it could have ended like four lions. Did you ever see that? No. What? I used to check it out. It's on Amazon Prime. It's about like a. It's a black comedy about like a an Al Qaeda cell in England. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. See, it could have it could have done something where it got too big, and instead it it became even more intimate and and real. And I yeah, I just I I really love this. Should we should we talk about what it's about? Yeah, go ahead. Spoilers for First Reform starting now. Turn it off if you don't want to hear it. Um, so uh, Ethan Hawke portrays a a reverend at a First Reformed Dutch church in upstate New York, uh, a little white church that they are they've just finished like renovating and they're going to reopen. Um, right. It's basically like a museum though, like it's nobody really goes there. Yeah, it's like the visitors center for the mega church that right. that is in town. Um, and he is uh, in sort of a self-styled exile uh, following the disillusion of his marriage because he encouraged his their only son to join the military uh, to go fight after 9-11, I guess. Yeah. And the son was killed. And he definitely blames himself. Yeah, Ethan Hawke was also like a – he was a something or other in the military. Like oh, yeah, he was, he, was, he was a military chaplain, right? I don't even know if he's a chaplain. I thought he was like an actual like a troop commander type, like an actual in the field guy. Oh, okay. But yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely he's he holds he holds his decision to to send his son in to encourage his son to join up. Yeah, as like it is it is his personal brand of failure, and and so he and his wife uh, don't talk anymore, and he pretty much just lives in the back of this church museum. Um, where he gives services on Sunday, but like four people total show up. One of whom yes. is Amanda Seyfried, who is a uh, a pregnant woman who uh, enlists Ethan Hawke's help to talk to her husband. And her husband is kind of a radical climate scientist, climate activist guy who doesn't want them to have the baby because he sees how devastated the world is going to be in the kid's lifetime. And he can't bring himself to bring a child into that. Yeah, it's actually really interesting. Like, for such a small beat in the movie, it's actually, like, a really interesting way to frame it. <coughs> yeah, me. I mean, it's... It, and it's... And, and, <coughs> and, and not to overstate, but the the directing in this movie is so perfect. Because Ethan Hawke and, the, and, that, and that husband have their first conversation. And the husband is sitting in, like, his corner nook with his desk. And he's got all sorts of climate charts and graphs and and maps up on the wall and on screens and all over the place. But he's effectively obscuring the most damning climate information with his body until a moment when he turns. And, and it's, it, it's just, it, this, this movie is so poetic and so lyrical. Like it is, it is like a symphony where all of the, all of the pieces, all of the all of the uh, instruments, and all of the sections are just so perfectly conducted. It is insane how good this movie is, how well this movie is done. There's a scene, um, without spoiling it too much, with Amanda Seafood and Ethan Hawke where they're in a room together, and it's kind of this like dreamy sequence, and it's like so well done. Yeah, it's like I, I think I talked about it before the uh, the underwater scene from You Were Never Really Here. It's something sim- like akin to how that looks, and it's so good. Yeah, it, it, it and it and it it demonstrates the 
the intimacy between those two characters so much better than any other version of that scene could have gone. Right, because any anywhere else that would have been a, a, a fuck scene. And yeah. It just wouldn't have worked. Yeah, they just would have had sex in any other movie. But in this, it's, it is two humans who have actually heart-bonded and are traveling uh, through the past this plane of existence. It, it, remarkable. Um, she's so good in this movie. And, like, she's fine in a lot of things. I mean, she's been in a lot of, like, bad movies. But she's excellent in this movie. And, like, it might just be, like, you're talking about a function of the direction. Because even Cedric the Entertainer gives a really good performance in oh, the yeah. bit that he's in. Yeah, I I mean, yeah. Cedric, like you really buy everybody in this. Oh, yeah, no. Everybody feels like real people. And you and I, I really found myself losing track of them as actors completely. Which, that doesn't happen that often. Yeah, because you know? she doesn't, like, she's, you know, in a, in a dumber movie, she'd be, like, this really religious person. But she's got this kind of, like... Like Billy Pilgrim esque, uh, meek faith and a loving Jesus. I think Vonnegut said, like, you know what I mean. This kind of like hands off, but like I should still go. Like I still kind of believe, but I'm not sure why. Yeah, like, it's she, comforting. she's kind of going to maintain whatever childhood faith she thinks is still valid. But yeah, she's not right. a zealot, and yeah. and she's also not. She she's a woman who. Uh, continuing the spoilers, the her husband kills himself in the woods. And Ethan yeah. Hawke finds him, and we get one of the better post-suicide morning scenes ever in a film, which is just Ethan Hawke and Amanda Seyfried having, like, tea and talking about what to do next and embracing. But she doesn't go full melodrama. She doesn't explode into into theatrics and tears and, and hysterics the way that many other films would have handled this. She's so... She has... You you sense in her the very thing that she says at one point, but it's like the husband had been depressed and ready to go for a long time. And you can see in her that it's like, oh, yeah, she's been doing all the suffering for a long time. Uh, yeah, it was oh, – like, so, so, like she – you know, her character is a flawed person that's in love with another flawed person like and understands like where they are. Like it has, she doesn't have any kind of uh, misconceptions about her or her place in the world or what he's doing. Like, she's very rational, and like it, it's it's something you don't see. Like you said, there's no like overreaction or like, oh, I love them so much. And, like she understood everything, and it's it's it was a refreshing take on like such a kind of a big event, especially when you find out like what he was going to do prior to the suicide. Right, the, and that that reveal scene too, where she's you know she shows Ethan Hawke this. Uh, explosive suicide vest that's that the the husband had been building in the garage and yeah. and again doesn't explode into some like it doesn't become anything that's like message driven or anything like that it's just okay we we need to get rid of this we don't want his good name tarnished but it's not you know she's not screaming and freaking out she's like yeah i mean i kind of i i assume you know he said that he was doing other stuff and i believed him yeah like, what was I going to do? I was right. just happy that he was doing anything other than freaking out about, about the climate. Um, but it's really, it's really the, uh, you know, it's really the arc in Ethan Hawke's character that is so powerful here because he's, he is shown to be the only person of a pure and real sort of faith 
in this entire religious community of which he's part. Right, but it's it's kind of like a weak faith still, like at the beginning. Oh yeah, no, he's he is he is uh, he is in a real sort of Job position in his faith. His right. son's been taken away. His marriage has been taken away. He's clearly an alcoholic. Uh, he's got some serious health issues that he's sort of refusing to address because I think he's taking like an ascetic monk sort of tack to everything. Like he's letting himself be punished by allowing himself to suffer. Right. And the one time he kind of messes up and uh, has what we presume has sex with the the church secretary, oh. and, but just like loathes her. And like he like you see how he's like really trying to kind of like not entertain her, but just like, yeah, no, and then he just boils over and it's like one of the most human like moments in a movie this year. Oh, yeah, because he he starts yelling at her and, and dressing her down, and you watch her it it's like uh I mean this is a comedic version, but it's like when when uh when Ralph Wiggum's heart breaks. In the yeah. in the choo choo choose me episode, <laughs> and Bart keeps rewinding. You see on this actress's face like a a like her spirit breaks. He is he is so unkind to her. Her spirit breaks, and she slowly breaks down into tears. But we don't even hang on that because he's not interested in it. He's he's walking away. Um, but yeah, he's 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 this like this suffering person who who is debating then with Cedric the Entertainer who per, who portrays the uh, the leader of the megachurch and definitely more of a business guy than a religion guy. Because oh, yeah. that's the conflict here. And, the, and, and maybe the underlying thesis is, look at what happens when faith becomes a business and all the things that we sacrifice and the things that we, uh, and the ways we become ungodly. Yeah. Well, well, Ethan, yeah, you know, Hawk's a, a person with faith but no purpose, which is a bad mix. And then, like, he gets a purpose. And even if, you know, you say what you want, like, it's hard to – because uh, the same guy that wrote and directed this also wrote Taxi Driver. So a lot of people have compared it to Taxi Driver. But in Taxi Driver, Travis Bickle is the villain of the movie. Yeah, Travis Bickle is a garbage human. Right, which I don't think people get. Ethan Hawke, I don't think, is in that same camp. Now, what he's going to or may have done would put him more in that camp than not, but like he's not like just this like evil loner like Oh yeah, no. I he's he is he is, I think, he he, he goes from being a person who is in self imposed exile because of what he what he feels he has he owes. To a person who sees the the very overt flaws in a system of mega churches that take money from like a major fossil fuel company, basically, uh, or a major corporation that is a, a big time polluter, and how uh, the idea of being a steward of the earth and being a good Christian and 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 walking with or as Christ has been completely lost to this alternative narrative of well, if you're if you're rich. You're a good Christian because yeah. God get, God pays you to reward you for being good, which yes, is actually the, a narrative that that megachurches spout now. Yeah, that's the Joel Olstein thing. It's the, the the pray yourself rich. I forget what it's actually called, but like it's basically that. Yeah, because my and, and and my mom and I actually what was interesting is my mom and I had been talking about this uh, on the phone 
a few days before before you recommended this movie last week, and I I told her to watch it, and she loved it too. And, and my mom is a, a far more religious person than I am. Like I, you know, I I know of it, but I've never been I've never been a yeah. religious person. My mom is definitely of the you know, there's a god, you know, and we're supposed. But she's but she is of the type of religion that Ethan Hawke is, which is like we're supposed to be better. This is. The Bible is to teach us to be better people, not to be better at gaming the system, not to be better at manipulating people, but to be literally better. We're supposed to rise above the evils of mankind to save the world and to save each other. And, and uh, yeah, we get, we get a, a brilliant diner scene where there's direct pushback from the CEO of the manufacturing company. Uh, about climate change and about yeah, and it's also one of those like uh, it's the only industry in town type things, which always makes it a tough like you know don't rock the boat. We'll right. you know we'll leave and go to Mexico. I mean that's not said, but I think that's the implication. Yeah, the implication is that they're the they're the megachurch's main big donor, and if they leave, you know, and Cedric the Entertainer's thing is is of that evangelistic mindset, which is well the good work we're doing is getting more people in this church. And we need money to keep having more people. It has nothing to do with doing any good works, but has to do with continuing the sustainability and growth of the church as if right. it were a corporation that needs 20% uh, 20% gains per quarter. Um, and then, yeah, the, 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 but the, the, the ending of the movie is, is brilliant. I mean, I, I can't thank you enough for recommending this. this well, I'm glad you really so- liked it. I was afraid I'd oversell it because I think it is my favorite movie this year. Although there's a lot of contenders for like number two, yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's it, it it would be hard for me to even rank this against Apostle because they're both so brilliant, but they're yeah. both very different movies. Um, they're just categorically different, um, though they both deal in faith, which is very that's an interesting an interesting through line. Um, but yeah, so uh, you know, uh, Ethan Hawke decides on the day of the re-consecration of the church that he's going to uh, blow up the CEO and all of the business donors and Cedric the Entertainer and all of the uh, like administrative leadership of the megachurch by right. wearing that uh, suicide vest. Um, and he has previously begged Amanda Seyfried not to come to the service uh, because he doesn't want her to be caught in this, in this, right. in this, you know, ending but but she shows up anyway, and that forces him to completely change his plan. So he takes the vest off, he wraps himself in barbed wire, which was one of the most – one of okay. Uh, in comparison to a movie like Mother that is littered with biblical allegory, yeah. but all of it, much like uh, Arcadia of My Youth, so much just the text and no subtext – this movie does biblical allegory so perfectly that you yeah. really admire what's happening. Yeah, he literally stigmatizes himself. Yeah, he he goes uh, he it's, a, it's his crown of thorns, it's his you know, wound of destiny, yeah. whatever. And and he is he and it's and it's barbed wire that he acquired an hour ago in the movie while cleaning up the graveyard. Yeah, there was some barbed wire that was coiled out. And he wraps it up and takes it in, and it's a it's like perfectly checkoff gun kind of kind of setup because you don't even remember that it's there. 
No, because it's it's all leading to the moment that you've been expecting, and then yeah, you've totally forgot about anything else besides that. And and yeah, so he he wraps himself in the barbed wire, and he decides that instead he's going to kill himself in a dramatic fashion to demonstrate to to make the point that he was going to make with the suicide vest. So he pours himself a glass of Drano, which also, I mean, visually. Yeah, what a rom- that, was a hell- that was a great shot. Yeah, it's so it's so alien and viscous that it's really like it's it's really discomforting. But you can act like I I felt like a burning in my throat as he poured it into the glass. Yeah, because I mean, you get the right, like you get the expectation. You know, it's like just this the juxtaposition of that in a drinking glass is good enough. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like this is obviously not something that's meant to be, even if you didn't know what Drano was. You go, that's not something that's supposed to be drank. And here it is in a vessel that's solely for drinking. And the very glass that appears to be his only one that he's drunk, he's drank whiskey out of the entire rest of the movie. Right. Um, and yeah, and he and he goes to drink and Amanda Seyfried appears in the doorway. And Ethan Hawke is, is now draped in, well, he drapes himself in all white. So we're seeing the blood come through from the barbed wire wrapped around his, his torso and he drops the glass on the floor and turns and sees her and they embrace and kiss and the camera becomes as active as it's ever been in the entire film to circle around them in like in like the dramatic fashion that you would have in in a romantic like in a romance movie right and they're kissing super passionately and then boom we got we cut to black and i uh, so Here's what I thought. Here's what I thought that that meant, and I because I want to hear what you thought it meant too. Um, you know, the obviously her, Amanda Seyfried's character's name is is Mary, and she's yeah. pregnant. So there's there's your other biblical allegory. Um, but that's and that's as far as they take it. Like they don't have her do anything else. She's not super pious. She's yeah. Um, my sense was that she the fact that she came into the, into the office was the tangible miracle that he needed to prove to him that God actually existed. And this wasn't all for naught. And so he embraced the opportunity for a restart of his life, which would be to be with her, to raise the child with her, though he's possibly going to die of stomach cancer. Yes. Um, but, but that this was, this was the only tangible evidence of the existence of the things that he's believed in that he's ever experienced in the last however long in his life. And he, and he was so hungry for that moment that, that, and you see it, you see it in the passion of their kissing. I'm torn because it could be that, Although it would leave in a movie that doesn't have anything fantastical in it, it would be an odd thing for her to be like embraced in barbed wire like that. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe that's like a flagellation for her too, or it's possible. And I think it's left so intentionally for you to think that he actually has gone through with the suicide already. He's already blown himself up, and this is kind of like an idealized, like not quite afterlife, but like the place between. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. So I I prefer that it's not the first it's not the actual like that he's actually blown himself up 
because I think it's kind of like the cheap cynical ending, although it would still be just as effective. Oh, sure, yeah. But like, I like your take on it better. Because I mean, he's gonna die anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he's. I mean, he's he's diagnosed with cancer, or at least diagnosed with. We need to do tests because you're you're definitely a person who shouldn't feel this way. So and maybe her like kissing him with the barbed wires, her kind of taking his pain onto herself since he's already done the same for her. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. See, I, I could see that. I could see maybe that. Maybe that's like an absolution for him. So maybe that actually literally happens? Yeah, I mean, but, she she could be a literal, like, redemptive angel for him. Yeah. In that in that moment. Um, yeah, because you, you, you make a good point that she doesn't react to the blood on, on his white frock. Um, and he doesn't wince when he grabs her and pulls her close to him because I could believe that maybe through her winter coat she wouldn't necessarily feel the barbed wire but he certainly would in mashing his body against hers or maybe he's just so like enraptured that she came that like it doesn't even occur to him you know what I mean like yeah yeah I, I think I think that's where I was is that it was this it was such a it was a crescendo of all of the all of the faith that he had been hoping for any one of the people that he talks to, because he spends, he spends the movie kind of bouncing from interview to interview with people who should be on the same page as him, who should be faithful and, and uh, who should, who should be feeling something powerful about religion. And no one does because Cedric, the entertainer is too focused on the business of keeping the church open the little support group that he goes and sits in is just filled with kind of like wanker millennials that want to spout kind of alt-right religious ideas. And that's it. Like there's not, there is no one else. Um, but she's always been there. She's always been kind of faithful. Well, Paul Schrader, the writer and director says he's not sure what the ending is. Like one version of it, is the one that you posit that uh, it's a literally like you said a miracle that occurred his life is spared. The second he thinks is that he drinks the drain. He's on all fours. He's throwing up, and God comes over to him, who's never talked to him for the whole movie, and says, "Do you want to see what heaven looks like? Here it is." And that's the last thing he sees. Well, so I, th- yeah, I mean, I, I so I would I would go with that. Like it's probably more towards it reads better. And it would make more sense thematically if it's the version you think it is. Yeah, because we don't we don't see him drink, right? But yeah, I mean, I. But but the fact that the fact that it has those two compelling possible endings among among probably a dozen other ways you could interpret it. I mean, it's just it is it's it, it's just remarkable. I mean, I, I we both I think recommend that anybody watch this movie. And yes, like it, it is. It is a must see. I've recommended to at least six people over the last week. Like you gotta, you gotta watch this. It's there's nothing like it. Do you have Hulu? Yes. You should watch Low Life. Okay. Check that out. I just watched it the other day. It's so good. Right on. I will watch that. Cool, man. All right. Hey. Well, I think that's gonna do it. Yeah. You know, I think we've said all that we have to say. Uh, this has almost been as long as. The Arcadia of my youth. No, we'd still have another. <laughs> no, we would still have another thirty-three minutes of this movie left. Oh God! Oh my God! 
Yeah, maybe so. one of these times we should do like a live watch along. Yeah, we could do that. Because we could just do it like this and, and uh, yeah. Just do it as a commentary track, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that could be fun. Yeah. All right, cool. All right, man. Well, you... we'll figure out what we're watching. I'm not sure. Like, Okay. We'll figure it out. Well, good. We'll, we'll come up with something uh, and, um, you know, if you want to watch it with us, we might post it on the Molehole page or something. I don't know. We'll see. Oh, or you'll just get it when you get it. Yeah. Yeah, like how shit used to be when stuff was cool. Yeah, back when, like, uh, you had to wait for something to come in the mail four to six weeks from now. Yeah, and women couldn't vote. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, brother. All right. <laughs> All right, love you, bye. Love you. See you later. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Sail away on a ball and chain and keep us from the roaring waves. Get her on the boat but forever we'll be free. So sail away aboard a rig, the moon is falling slowly. Seven drunken pirates where the seven deadly sins. Yeah! Yeah.